Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. Today my guest was Ivana Dumanyan, and Ivana is the CEO and co-founder of Fathom AI, a very interesting piece of technology uh, that I really love to dive deep into, not only in this episode with her, uh, but later I had her co-founder on as well, and her co-founder can go into biomechani- biomechanics in a great detail, uh, great scientific detail. Uh, so it was really fun to b- do both of these interviews, this first one with Ivana, to get the business sense of it and get what they're trying to do business-wise with a little bit of biomechanics as well. And then uh, the next one with Gabrielle to talk about the biomechanics of injury, biomechanics of tendons, biomechanics of, of what it means to exercise in a healthy way. Uh, so I really, really enjoyed this one, and I hope you guys do. I'm publishing this one today, and then I'll publish the one with Gabriella on, on Monday. Really fun. Uh, if you enjoy this episode, please find us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher and hit the subscribe button. Uh, and if you really, really enjoyed it, please go ahead and give us a review. Also, I'm on Twitter. You can reach out to me on Twitter. I, my DMs are open. I'm at Stuart Alsop, I-I-I. I'd love to hear what you think of this episode. If you want me to do more biomechanics episodes, really would love to understand what your interest is in tuning into these episodes and what you're receiving from it. So have a great day. Thank you. Welcome to the Crazy Wisdom Podcast. My guest here is Ivana Dumanyan. Uh, she is the CEO and co-founder of Fathom.ai, a wearable AI system for highly personal, personalized recovery and athletic injury prevention. Uh, w- welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, so the first question is I'm going to get right into it. So you have, you have, you're preventing injury through an AI system that monitors people's biomechanics mm-hmm. and that so you're looking at the tendons you're looking at the fascia you're looking at the connective tissue what what are you what are the metrics that you guys are measuring yeah absolutely so the the system of sensors um you, you basically have one device about the size of a quarter on each ankle and one on the small of the back and what we do is we actually model out the way you're you're moving so your, your biomechanics through predominantly running motions um that's really what we're specialized in right now and we are sort of expanding out from there um, the metrics that we measure are actually the force that you produce and absorb while while moving, while running, and your joints' uh, range of motion. And so we sort of piece together a model of your body through um, uh, kind of that combination of force and movement to try to understand how stress propagates through your body mm. and attribute certain types of movement to potential anomalies or dysfunctions. Um, so we actually try to take a really holistic view of kind of your lower extremities, <laughs> so the lower half of your body, to, to figure out the most likely cause of any symmetry. Um, and that can be like a tight uh, ligament or tendon, like a tight IT band, for example, or it could be a short or underactive muscle like a quad or a weak muscle, uh, I guess a short muscle like a quad or a weak muscle like a glute. And so we, we sort of come up with, through, through this model, um, based on your unique pattern of movement, the most likely causes of certain types of anomalies, asymmetries, fatigue, or compensations. Um, and with that, we create a really hyper-personalized exercise plan. Um, the really cool thing about this type of technology is, unlike seeing a, uh, like a specialist, like a movement specialist, it's this constant uh, feedback loop that helps build your own self-awareness, and it helps us figure out 
the more you use it, the more it learns, the better we can get in our estimates about you. Mm. So it's always kind of constantly adapting and evolving as it learns more about your body and your training. Very interesting. Uh, and this might be a question for your co-founder, who I'm going to interview eventually. But um, <laughs> yeah, she's I, the smart one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's I'm really interested in the biomechanics, and I mm-hmm. love learning about fascia, and I want to understand how how uh, whether you guys are incorporating the newest evidence about fascia. And there's a lot of like there's a lot of stuff coming out, but mm-hmm. uh, it hasn't been really kind of like uh, put through the time that it requires to f- figure out whether whether it's whether it's accurate or not mm-hmm. and replicable. Uh, what uh, what are you guys connecting with fascia and understanding that and putting that into the system? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is unfortunately definitely a question for her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so one of the things that I will say that we always try to do is kind of stay on top of the, the newest literature, but uh-huh. be kind of approach it with a, a, an air of skepticism. Uh-huh. Um, our approach has really been start with the clinical evidence. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the research, let's start with the cl- clinical practice, and then let's put it in action in the general population. Mm-hmm. Um, but what you'll find is that kind of the clinical findings are usually done in really small groups of people or generalized very broadly. The beautiful thing about technology like this is we can sort of start with the knowns apply them to you and see what you respond to uniquely and individually. Mm-hmm. If you're not responding to a type of exercise or if we're not seeing the type of improvement that we would expect given a certain type of movement pattern, a certain certain type of corrective exercise, the beautiful thing about technologies like this is they can adapt, they can evolve, they can actually update those estimates and see, oh, do you do better with exercise A or exercise B? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's B, now we'll kind of continue down this path. Um, and that's a very, very distinctly different approach than has been taken in kind of physical therapy, corrective exercise, and and really we see medicine, um, not that this is a medical device at all, but this is our fitness product, but we see kind of the, the world trending much more towards precision care. And for us, this is really the first foray, the first step into precision fitness. That's very interesting. And it makes me think about how, what are humans good at and what are, computers are good at computers are really good at um computation so like mm-hmm. uh, high highly like highly you know it just they they're able to crunch numbers in a way that humans <laughs> extremely don't. quickly yeah yeah, yeah. yeah and, and humans are good at intuition and we're able to take that stuff and and kind of create a, a model of it and either an unconscious model or a conscious model mm-hmm. and so it makes me think about um, doctors, personal trainers, all these people who basically, and I've taught yoga, and so a lot of people come to me and ask me, well, like, well why is it that my, uh, you know, my Achilles tendon is hurting? Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm like, well, I have no idea. I mean, your body is so complex. Like, whatever answer I give you is not going to be a sufficient answer mm-hmm. to understand, like, the complexity of why your Achilles tendon is out of place or whatever, because your Achilles tendon is connected in a matrix yeah like a three three, like a three-dimensional matrix all throughout your body and so it's like you know what could be going on in your throat could affect your your you know achilles tendon it's (laughs) like and and so it's the same thing with doctors like doctors have traditionally been this authority um that they will give you the diagnosis and it makes me question like because the diagnosis it it can come from that place of intuition but i wonder if computers actually will be better at this essentially and i know you said it's not a medical device but it is um uh but, but I wonder whether computers will be able to diagnose better than a doctor can. Well, that's, a, that's actually a really great kind of question. And I think it's one that we hear asked all the time. Um, there's this really common misconception, I think, that would be really useful to address. Um, AI is a really stupid technology. Mm. It like sounds really sophisticated. It's mm. artificial intelligence, <laughs> you know, but what, what it's, it's, 
it is flawed and it's still really early. Yeah. Like it, it can't replace a human being. Um, but when done in an intelligent way, it can really truly amplify the power of a human being. Mm. Um, with our system, kind of our, our approach has always been uh, the human body is really complex and it's governed by a series of laws, both like physics and biomedical and biomaterials. And that's my background. I'm, I'm a kind of a, uh, a biomedical engineer, a mechanical engineer, um, some electrical engineering sprinkled in there just for a little bit of fun. Um, but uh, I really started approaching this problem from a biomaterials perspective, right? For anyone who's kind of familiar with what stress, strain, and yield are, those pro those, those properties um, of stress being how much force are you putting through a thing, strain being how much is it changing shape, and yield meaning when does it actually break, mm -hmm. those same things apply to human tissues, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that's kind of how I got into biomechanics and, and, and things of that nature. But none of those are kind of without a, a, a really knowledgeable human mm -hmm. actually building out that system, building out that um, those, those analytics pathways, the, the, the AI, the machine learning, mm -hmm. it's not going to make any sense. Mm -hmm. there, there are certain problems that maybe you can throw a black box AI uh, mm -hmm. at yeah. and it will work. Mm -hmm. I am extremely hesitant to do that with anything pertaining to the human body because it's really complicated. And, um, you know, there's, there's this, <laughs> there's this uh, commonly used, um, uh, uh, this, this commonly used, I am totally blanking on the word, but um, sorry that like, uh, you know, uh, uh, the number of household break-ins also correlates with like the number of mm. uh, uh, ice cream cone sales or whatever, right? And it's like, the AI will spit that stuff out. Yeah. It has nothing, it, but a human being can say like, oh, it's because it's warm and people are leaving their windows open. Um, the, the, the exact same thing happens here. For, for us, we have spent a kind of absurdly long time working with some of the best um, uh, clinical researchers and physical therapists in the industry mm -hmm. to really deeply understand what's going on mm. um, and nothing we do or gets built without uh, really consulting National Academy of Sports Medicine um, uh, like kind of functional movement systems or one of our clinical experts mm. um, we've built like a really phenomenal team over time and to be honest like none of this would make sense uh, mm. if we had tried to do it in isolation just as a technological team um, approaching it on our own. So we're, we're extremely grateful for, um, you know, Dr. Darren Padua and Dr. Barnett Frank at the Utah Jazz and mm. Laura Stanley uh, over at Duke and Scott Peters, um, who's uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays. Like, these are really the people that make this system smart. Mm. Um, I would not trust ourselves or any other team <laughs> to build something, you know, for the human body using machine intelligence without to make any sense yeah. without without a real under deep, 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 deep understanding of, of physiology and, and uh -huh. kind of human biomechanics. So that, yeah, that's really interesting. And it brings up uh, a recent conversation I had with uh, Stephen Wolfram, who uh, is the CEO of Wolfram Alpha. And we were talking about, and he, like, this guy knows computation, knows knows this different stuff, and I, and uh, extremely intelligent, probably the most the smartest person I've ever interviewed. And he, we were talking about, like, so as, as computers get more intelligent, and as you mentioned, it's, we're very um, early on this still, uh, as they get more intelligent, uh, the fundamental question will remain, what do we, give them to do what is the why mm -hmm. what do we want done 
Um, yeah. and, uh, and that reminds me of that. And then the other thing that it reminds me of is the book called The Book of Why, uh, which all goes into, it's by a Israeli professor in artificial intelligence who came up with like Bayesian networks and, and mm. is, uh, and is now talking about, she t- talks about, he talks about a ladder of causation and, uh, and I'm going to butcher this, uh, the first ladder, which AR is currently, is just association, where mm-hmm. where they can do pictures and they can pull out, uh, they can essentially see things. Um, but what we as human beings have imagination, and so we have this ability to imagine things, and uh, and so that ability to imagine things, like this is a tangent, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know that's going to be or remain the thing that we can continue to do throughout the throughout the future. Is like that's mm-hmm. going to be our primary. Like is do what we're good at. Mm-hmm. We can imagine things. So yeah, uh, uh, yeah so, sort of re- reminiscent of the book Sapiens, right? So it's really interesting because I've been. We know a lot about what exercise does to the body because we have these uh, kind of financial incentives to understand it because of sports, and which mm-hmm. is really interesting because now you have, you've gone and consulted with these doctors who are now providing that, who have, who have a like, huge financial incentive to understand the human body and understand mm-hmm. what exercise does to it. Yeah. I'd love to understand more about how you guys are using that information to build the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I will probably use this opportunity to put a huge asterisk and a huge disclaimer you know, the, the work that we are doing are is strictly subclinical. It's uh-huh. before you need to go see a doctor, before mm-hmm. you need to go see a PT. Um, and to be completely honest with you, this is, this is, it's, it's, it's really, really hard to know what is going on with the human body before there is an issue. And so where I think the, the system does a really good job is in figuring out from your movement and from really early symptoms an ache, pain, soreness, tightness, etc. Or what is likely going on? What is likely developing? And that's just been historically really kind of difficult to do um, for even even for PTs without being able to get somebody into a lab, moving, running, jogging, squatting, doing a functional movement assessment, or or physically putting your hands on that person and and trying to feel their range of motion or tightness or adhesions in a muscle, um, and you know, this, I, I really do think, I really do see a future in which kind of these computational abilities, these, you know, predictive abilities and, and, and wearable devices can enable, you know, human beings, human doctors to do so much more. Mm. Um, right now, we're, we're really working in a space that's preventative, it's, it's, um, it's recovery focused, it's really not kind of living in that, that, that clinical world. But you know, just some of the, the early things that we've seen and the use of this technology and understanding a movement pattern that could potentially live, lead to plantar fasciitis mm-hmm. um, or a user that has plantar fasciitis for uh, for whom we can go in and use the sensors and say like, oh, okay, it's because you have a an overly tight left, you know, outer calf mm-hmm. muscle, mm-hmm. right? Let's, let's go work on that. Let's lengthen that. This is how long it should take. Are we seeing the progress that we want to see from you? Um, those kinds of cap- capabilities are just now becoming available. Mm. Um, and I think they're hugely valuable, invaluable to, to a clinician who's out there every day trying to do good work and, mm. and incredibly valuable to people who first don't, don't yet need that kind of intervention mm-hmm. but um, and, and who potentially can't even access that kind of intervention. Mm. Um, for myself and my co-founder, we were, we were both low-income kids growing up. Mm. Um, for us, sports and athletics was 
a part of getting to college, to be totally frank with, like, to be totally, <laughs> to be totally honest. Um, but it becomes part of your identity, you know? And then that's something that is really the, the common factor between an elite athlete, right? Or an NCAA athlete, a professional athlete, a, 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 you know, a, an aspiring amateur athlete, and everyone else, right? We, we right now, we focus in the running space and to be totally honest with you, I'm not, not that big of a runner. Um, I, I love, love, love to run. It's my, it's my favorite form of fitness, but I'm slow. <laughs> and that's okay, because I have you know, arthritis in my knee after years and years of playing you know, sports and NCAA competition and a few torn muscles that have caused all sorts of imbalances. Uh, FYI, that was the reason we started the company. <laughs> um, but this, this really becomes a solution. Like I, I'm, I'm deeply passionate about this because it was after we had these injuries and after we realized how many resources go into care and prevention at the NCAA level, you know, just to keep us healthy, that we had this moment of saying, you know, when we're no longer here, when we're no longer in this university setting, how are we, how can we possibly access this level of resources? Um, because even with this much care, this much attention, this much, you know, motion screening and hands-on work, we're still getting hurt. Mm. You know, and, and that's really the impetus, has been the impetus for us. And, and I think that's a, a really common experience that we're going to see manifest in great technologies mm. um, for for a while, for years to come. We're just getting to that point. Because mm. um, the, the, the truth is that athletic identity, it lives in anyone for whom, you know, sport running is a ritual, mm -hmm. right? If it's your sane space, if it's your safe space, if it's that thing that you have to do every single morning, otherwise you will lose your mind, or, or you have three days a week where you, you go out for your run and it's your, your meditation, right? Yeah. Your time to center yourself. Losing that ability because of a, an injury, an ache, a sprain, back pain, plantar fasciitis, whatever it is, mm -hmm. it has an impact, mm -hmm. right? You, you said something, um, I actually recently listened to a podcast where you said like the, the mind and the body cannot be decoupled. Mm -hmm. It's incredibly true. Mm -hmm. um, and so our greatest, greatest hope is that we can help kind of keep people's bodies healthier longer mm -hmm. because it's so deeply a part of, of who we are. It's, it's part of our, our self-perception mm -hmm. in a lot of cases. And, and that's true no matter what level of athlete you are. You know, I'm wearing, <laughs> I'm wearing like almost exclusively Nike gear right now. And, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's entirely true. Like if you have a body, you're an athlete, it's all about mindset. Uh -huh. um, and losing that ability, losing the ability to move has such a huge, such a huge emotional impact. Mm. Um, and it's that emotion that really drove us to do this. Mm. Sorry, long-winded answer <laughs> to not answer your question actually, but. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, and how... How, so you mentioned this mind-body connection, and it's something I've been thinking a lot about. I have, I have chronic pain, so I go through a fair amount of chronic pain every oh day. Oh my gosh, do you yeah. mind if I ask what? Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's complicated, and this go leads into the question, but I, I, I had a medical issue where um, I got a, a, a medical provider gave me Invisalign, and he didn't really know what he was doing, so he moved my teeth in the wrong direction. Yeah, and it's Oh my was, god, yeah. that's a very terrible kind of pain to feel, yeah, for <laughs> actually, years. in your skull. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, for years. Uh, so it's been it's been quite a long time. Uh, but, uh, but an interesting... So I've learned a lot about pain, mm -hmm. both the science about pain and the stuff we don't know about pain, um, and injury, and, and the difference between a chronic pain and acute pain and stuff like that. Um, and I wonder, because for me, I've come to the realization that uh, 
chronic pain is probably has probably more to do with repressed or um, uh, difficult emotional experiences that we have not fully come into uh, fully digested or experienced mm -hmm. uh, and they kind of l get stuck in our body um, mm -hmm. and then acute pain makes sense like if you you know you cut your finger makes sense the the, the inflammatory process you got mm -hmm. all this stuff coming and like fixing that and it makes sense that that that's pain but there's, there's this chronic pain that a lot of people deal with and you guys are essentially getting into so the question is how sure are you of that this chronic pain is a bio, bio or that some of this this pain is biomechanical mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i think that's a great question um and to be totally honest there's no way to be sure yeah. <laughs> um, but we can make our best guess uh -huh. right a lot of the people that we work with they're dealing with like chronic knee pain for example and oftentimes or lower back pain mm. and oftentimes we kind of do get a sensor to them and and we do see them move and we do see an anomaly and the greatest thing that we can do is make our best guess at what's going on mm. and try our very very hardest to help people address that mm. um, yeah, that's yeah. and that's just the honest answer. Yeah. That the, none of this is is magic. Yeah. Um, it's just you know we're just a bunch of former athletes, um, currently nerdy scientists, <laughs> trying to do our best for people yeah. and, and trying to help people just like us feel better and move better. Mm -hmm. um, to be totally honest, one of my greatest fears, like I I have chronic knee pain. Um, and I know when I do my exercises, it gets better. Mm -hmm. um, and for me, that's a sign like. Hopefully that's not a repressed yeah. <laughs> memory, but yeah. that's actually something physical that I can change. Uh -huh. um, and one of the great, greatest things that you know I, I, I want to give to people um, is that that feeling of taking control back mm -hmm. of something that felt so mysterious to me and something that's so important to me. Um, I'm 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 very young, and I one of my greatest fears is be is losing mobility early in life because I, I witnessed my parents go through that. My uh, my stepdad had several herniated discs um, because of an injury he had in the military, and that's that's just it, it's one of the things that's most sacred to me. Um, and to that extent, I think the emotional part of really wanting to understand what's going on, have control of it, and and have the autonomy and the power to fix it, mm. I think is something that a lot of people are looking for, especially with chronic pain, mm. um, whether we can solve it or not. Like we, we, we really focus on the lower extremities. Yeah. We really focus on the types of um, issues that people in endurance athletics face. Um, and a heck of a lot of people, a heck of a lot of our users don't have any pain or injury at all. Mm. Um, they just want to improve their mobility and they want to move better and they want to run for more years of their lives. Mm. Much like me, I have to admit, we, we totally <laughs> built a product for uh, yeah. ourselves. Uh -huh. um, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really wide swath. Um, and what, what pe kind of what, what the people that use our product have in common is they just want to better understand their body. They want to uh -huh. increase self-awareness. And for the first time, sometimes for the first time in their lives, actually know what to do about it. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. how, to, how to actually get better mm -hmm. in a way that I can see progress. Cool. You know, yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned some interesting stuff there. Uh, I love what you said about the mystery of pain, because it is a mystery. Like, mm -hmm. it's a mystery to the person undergoing it, and it's also a mystery to uh, science, as I just mentioned. It's like we don't mm -hmm. really know. And one of the most interesting studies that I came across is, is this... Uh, 
they took x-rays of people in pain um, and then they took x-rays of people in out without pain and mm-hmm. these same deformities showed up in both people so mm-hmm. and even though those had those deformities had been usually a sign that that person should get surgery according to a doctor it turns out that that deformity is not the thing it's just yeah. it's like you know it's like it's just there so it's a, it's a mystery and uh, it's also one of the most like ancient signals in our body. Pain is like deeply, deeply. Uh, mm-hmm. It's in the old. lizard brain. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. What do you know about pain? Like, yeah. You... To be totally honest, I'm, uh-huh. I'm very much not a pain expert. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, honestly, neither is Gabrielle. We're uh-huh. we're really, really deeply rooted in biomechanics, uh-huh. and those things are very much decoupled. Mm-hmm. Um, so for one one thing that we we we've tried really hard to do is not say that a particular movement pattern yeah. or a particular kind of uh, you know signal from your biomechanics is inherently bad. Mm-hmm. That is not true, right? And so depending on who you talk to in the sports world, they might tell you, oh, knee valgus is the worst thing and it's gonna you know uh, lead to injury. Absolutely, absolutely. Maybe not. Yeah. You know, what, one of the things that we try to do is is really acknowledge that people have different adaptations in their body, uh-huh. and some may be good and some may be bad. So we actually use a combination of uh, kind of perceptual uh, response, the uh-huh. the subjective response. Yeah, how cool. does this feel? Uh-huh. As well as how do you actually move? How does it actually manifest in your biomechanics? And so at the intersection, what we're looking for is, is this an anomaly that is that you've adapted to and that is now kind of normal? Or is it an anomaly that is causing some adverse effects? Mm-hmm. If it's an anomaly that's causing some adverse effects, some excessive tightness or soreness or pain, that is something that we're going to help you address because we don't want it to develop further. Mm. But if it's just your body, because every one of our bodies is unique and it adapts and it changes over time, we're not gonna we're not gonna touch it. We're not gonna say it's inherently wrong because it doesn't look like, you know, you know John Doe, the the generic, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, public or uh, widely accepted runner's form. Yeah. That's that's really I think that's really one of the most innovative departures of our product, um, and something that I'm so deeply excited for because it, it really. Um, I think it really allows us to to make the system much more individualized to people and focus on outcomes, not kind of like goals. Form. Yeah, not Input, form. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. That outcome focus, that efficacy focus, is something that I am so deeply passionate about, uh. and um, it it kind of shines through in our product. And I, I hope to see it in more places, kind of in in health, in wellness, and technologies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, that makes me very excited to use your product because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, the, ad- the adaptation response is a, is a response that so many people forget that the human body has. It's like it's been evolved millions of years to adapt on the fly. Like, mm-hmm. like, like when we get cut, uh, there's the inflammation process, and that inflammation process basically that was a way of doing surgery before surgery existed. You know, mm-hmm. our body developed that, and mm-hmm. like, there's so many, and of course, it makes sense that it, the medical science has created all these ways to add on to that and essentially get make that. It's almost like our collective organism is adapting in order to solve these issues that our individual organisms couldn't. Uh, but the adaptation process is so like interesting, and it's it's like our bodies will adapt. And I can give the give an example from from what we were just talking about. So the my teeth got knocked off. Uh, of their alignment, their natural adapted alignment that they had found uh, mm-hmm. when I was younger by this Invisalign process. And then uh, once I realized that that 
process wasn't good, I was like, okay, I have to find another solution. And so I found a dentist who believed in this adaptation response of the body. And mm -hmm. basically what he's done is, sh is shaved off millimeters of my teeth so that they fit together again, because they didn't oh. fit together. And so, and that, and that's really interesting because uh, just millimeters, like very, very small amounts, mm -hmm. but that's affecting the, the muscles and the TMJ, which most dentists don't actually get taught about, which is one of the problems why I got into this situation in the first place is that the musculature is adapted to the, the actual position of the teeth at a millimeter level. Mm -hmm. um, and so when the Invisalign knocked it off, it also knocked off my muscles in my face and my, and my neck. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then actually the rest of my body in, 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 in very subtle ways. Um, mm -hmm. And so then he's shaved this off, and now my body is finding that alignment again, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. and, it, and his philosophy is that you get it back into an adaptation response. Um, mm -hmm. And then once you get it back in the adaptation response, the body rests and relaxed, which it hasn't been able to do for about, a, uh, which my body has not been able to do for, for a couple of years now. Mm -hmm. And now it can, which is really interesting. Uh, and so, yeah, we've got this adaptation response, and I love that you guys are, are focusing on the outcome and the particularly that difference you mentioned of the is this an anomaly that needs attention or is this an anomaly that just is adapting and there is no problem mm -hmm. yeah which is really interesting and and one of the biggest differences i think is is like how how you treat your body while mm -hmm. it's adapting mm -hmm. you know one of the things that you'll come to find um and this is kind of this theory has been around for a really long time but you're monitoring your workload you know, if you push your body too mm -hmm. hard, you don't give it enough time to recover and adapt properly, and you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing, something's gonna break. Um, kind of the analogy that I use is if you like, if you've ever been in a a, a, a go kart, uh -huh. right? Uh -huh. If if there's a bolt that's loose and you're pushing that thing, you'll start to feel the car shake. Your your body is exactly the same way. If something's out of alignment, you'll start to feel the car shake. I actually need to. I have cupping on my tires on my own car, and I need to <laughs> need to fix it. I need to get new tires because when I when I go over like fifty, the car shakes. Mm. You know, it's mm. it's that same same idea, that same process. And so, we and 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 you start feeling symptoms. And so we we really really care about figuring out like what what pace are you actually pushing your body. Mm. Right and and is it starting to manifest in symptoms? How early are those symptoms? So we're we're we've been working on this thing where it actually tries to predict where you are in the injury cycle because there's there's kind of distinct steps that each tissue and your your body can mm -hmm. be in in this like cycle of incurring injury. Um, and so trying to figure out kind of based on the symptoms that you're presenting, mm -hmm. both in your biomechanics and kind of in your subjective feedback, where are you? How much intervention do you need? What kind of intervention do you need? And one thing that I'll say is we are so not always right. Mm. Like it is so not perfect, mm. but it's it's really damn good, mm. you know? <laughs> and it's so much better than any of us really, than, especially than I've had um, in the past. And that's something that I always try to keep people, uh, ask people to be super open-minded to, um, that, you know, it's it's, no technology is perfect. It's just trying to make its best guess, and we're genuinely just trying to do the best we can for you. Mm. And it's more than the average person can do on their own. Um, but the more you use something like this, the more you invest in something like this, the better it can get at serving you. Mm. Um, one of the things that uh, I care about quite a bit is kind of for, for endurance athletes, uh, which is kind of the, the main demographic that we serve, people who run. Um, and again, it's like people who run three days a week as well as people who run six mm. days a week, short miles, long miles. Um, but running puts a lot of stress on your body. Um, and 
it's it's understanding how to properly recover from that you know how to how to help your body areas that have been overstressed versus understressed kind of work together and recover at, at, at the proper pace for you and that's really the key to prevention and mm-hmm. most people don't really realize that you know it's that the most effective prevention is the five to 15 minutes you spend in proper recovery every day mm-hmm. you know it doesn't have to be you know a lot of people associate it with like a 40 minute session with a PT oh that's so late you're late to the game my friend you need like if if you start early it can be simple it can be easy and you will feel the results most most people who even start with our free product because we have a a free version of the app available in the app store search fathom AI stretch and recover Um, but most people who just start with that start immediately feeling results mm-hmm. um uh, if you kind of start with one of our movement prep programs or mobility programs that you do before uh before your workout mm-hmm. we'll we'll again just make the best estimate we can given the inputs we have from you mm-hmm. um but you you'll notice that you're you warm up better you have better range of motion in the areas that are tight in the areas that are sore and most people say they don't really realize how much of a difference just five minutes can make mm. um, in how you feel throughout your workout, but also throughout the whole rest of your day. Mm. Um, and I don't know if if, if fitness, if, if if running is 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 actually a big part of your life, it's um, it's it's usually worth it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, you'll get a few more years out of those knees uh, on on the back end, on the tail end of things. <laughs> Uh, and I can't wait to uh, maybe I can, so there's this doctor called Robert Schleip who was mm-hmm. a massage therapist uh, and then going into the fascia thing as well he, mm-hmm. he he essentially started to touch people and understand that there was something going on that the current understanding current model of, mm-hmm. of the body wasn't explaining uh, and then a lot of other people were also onto this a lot of mm-hmm. massage therapists and then they started doing the research into the fascia as well mm-hmm. um, and so one of the most interesting things for that I've gotten from him is that he's you know like a 60, 70 year old uh, guy, and he's out on the jungle gym, just like totally like. And the key thing for him was essentially non-habitual fasci- fascial stimulation. So non-habitual mm-hmm. fascial stimulation. So that's mm-hmm. things like dance, basically getting yeah. getting. Into oh, you're gonna try to get me to talk about my break dancing <laughs> yeah. background. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go there. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so like dance is a way, not only for the brain too, as, as you mentioned, the mind mm-hmm. and the body are intimately connected, and, um, but uh, also for fascia, uh, getting, breaking apart those adhesions is a matter mm-hmm. of like doing the things you don't habitually do, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting for running because I feel that running is a very linear process mm-hmm. where you're it's essentially... super repetitive movement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so I wonder, I wonder about that prep and recovery. What what is in the prep and recovery for you guys or for your app and stuff mm-hmm. like that? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think it might be useful to sort of address what is fascia mm-hmm. versus like a muscle or a tendon or a ligament. You know, I think we're more familiar with muscles, ten- tendons, and ligaments, but the fascia is essentially the the sac or the casing that holds mm-hmm. a muscle, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it can degrade just like just like a, a muscular tissue can. Um, my uh, my co-founder actually had surgery on both of her shins mm-hmm. to release the fascia. They go in, they cut it, and um, it's it's a really, it's a really kind of scary process to be honest. Um, and she didn't improve after. You know, uh-huh. it's what we actually found is she she was diagnosed. She had the surgery, didn't feel any better. She just had tight shins. Mm-hmm. She never foam rolled, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and so she was actually having adhesions in the muscle, not in the fascia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to kind of to get to your point is. 
we we try to f- really get you to increase your self-awareness about your body mm-hmm. when you start using the product whether it's the free or the, the paid version um the first thing that you will see is there's this little body part picker you go in and you you tap the areas that are tight so we get you to like stand up move around feel what's tight feel what's tender sore aching sharp etc and, and and report that um that really gets people to sort of understand what's going on in their body and based on their response what we actually provide you kind of what the exercises actually are um are it's it's foam rolling it's static active and dynamic stretching it's muscle activation and integrated movements and we're getting more and more into functional strengthening as well because as you use the system we we essentially try to figure out where do you have muscles that are shorter than they should be or weaker than they should be or way too overactive like we we start making those estimates based on how we see you train and respond train and respond that's 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 kind of how we how we operate um and the the effect that you said of like really mobilizing and breaking the adhesions and again for the benefit of the listener an adhesion basically happens when the tissue uh, incurs some stress and then instead of getting these beautifully kind of parallel aligned fibers, you start getting these cross linkages. And those cross linkages between the fibers of that tissue prevent it from moving. And so uh, much like doing non-habitual exercise, like dancing, um, foam rolling will actually do that same thing. Mm. So if you foam roll and you can use a foam roller, you can use a tennis ball, you can massage, but doing that manual manipulation of the tissue Mm. will actually help break those linkages. If you couple that with stretching, you'll elongate that muscle, you'll encourage blood flow, you'll do all of these really phenomenal things that help make your, your tissues more mobile, more supple, healthier overall, and um, and honestly, just make you feel a lot better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah, well, yeah, once I started to do a lot more of that stuff, my the my experience of being in a body was like is way, way more comfortable and flow like and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of interesting because it's it's sometimes not intuitive mm-hmm. what you should foam roll versus stretch versus strengthen. Like um there there is a you know, there's science behind it. Um we have a handful of users that were like really, really um engaged in recovery. And so they'd come in and say, Oh, you know, I foam roll thirty minutes a day or we had a guy that foam rolls like an hour a day after his workout, really, really dedicated. This is definitely on, on like the, the high end of the spectrum um, for recovery. But they found that doing a 15 minute plan with us was often way more effective than spending just, you know, 2x or 4x that time sitting on a foam roller and trying to figure it out themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's a bit of this, you know, s- very systema- systematized very targeted approach that will help you get better outcomes mm. faster. Mm. Yeah. And I really like the approach of doing a, essentially having a self reporting uh, and then mixed with a reporting from a sensor. Mm-hmm. And I just imagine as the system gets better and better, the more of that reporting can be done by the system as well. Is that right? Yeah, that's what we're hoping to do, to mm. be totally honest. Um, right now, we're actually one of the largest kind of sources of human biomechanics data in the US mm. and it only growing and only growing. Um, and what we do with that is we, you know, your, your, your data is yours and personal and secure and all of that stuff, but we, we, we use that to actually just train the models to be better. Mm. Um, and we, we constantly, constantly, constantly try to um, make better estimates. Um, and we hope that that trend continues. <laughs> um, but it's really, it's really just a, about um, trying to understand how the human body works better. Um, the, the limitations of the science has often been that 
uh, you'll get data sets um, that these researchers are publishing on that are only 12 or yeah, maybe up yeah. to 100 people mm -hmm. and it's it's really it's really limiting mm -hmm. um, our goal is really to like to deeply understand human biomechanics in a way that we can start making real fundamental elemental changes mm -hmm. to human wellness and health mm -hmm. so and a lot of people have asked us about horses which is why i'm like i'm emphasizing human <laughs> we're not in that space yet <laughs> yeah uh So yeah, there's a there's one thing I want to mention, which is the rest and recovery thing is really interesting, and that's something that, going back to the piece of that, um, you mentioned about the coaches or the doctors who are working with the athletes, because that's something we are understanding from athletes, uh, mm -hmm. like professional athletes, is that you recover. And I interviewed somebody, Jeff Berkovici, who wrote a book about this, about called Play On. And uh, the, have you heard of it? Or? Uh, I haven't read it yet, okay, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of the bug. Yeah, so they, they uh, essentially it's like this is what they've been finding out is that the, if you want to perform better, you need to rest better, essentially. And that's, mm -hmm. the, that's the main thing. And what you've talked about is really interesting for that. And then another thread I want to throw in there is that uh, I read this Wired article about this guy, who a professor in England who is uh, re-kind of working artificial intelligence and getting into some of the issues and... and I believe, I might butcher this, but I believe that modern medical science understands the human motivation as a dopamine uh, reward cycle so mm -hmm. that we go and we get rewards. And what this guy says is, no, that's not actually what, what humans are about. That human thought is more about minimizing prediction error. Um, mm -hmm. And that human, human, that life, life itself, not only human life, but every life is reducing the gulf between sensory uh, our sensory organs and our expectations. Uh, so our expectation, like, so for example, that would be like, right now my expectations is that nothing is going to hurt me in this environment. You know, I'm going to, that we're going to have a good conversation and then after the conversation, you know, you're going to go your separate way, I'm going to go my separate way and then that's, that's the my expectation. The bee doesn't fly in through the window and sting you. Exactly, yeah, or the tiger, you know. And then, or the tiger. Yeah, and then, but then if a tiger did show up in my window, uh, that would mean that my sensory, my, there was a huge gap between my expectations. And, and so like our entire like existence <laughs> is all about like essentially minimizing that prediction error. And, 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 uh, and, and so it's really interesting because you guys are getting into prediction error. That's the, that seems to be the goal is that you're mm -hmm. predicting something. And I'd love to understand what you think about the role of technology in augmenting our natural human desire to minimize prediction error. Yeah. To be totally honest with you, I'm not I'm not well versed with that theory. Okay. And so but what I can sort of talk about is the um, is what we actually see in, in user behavior. Um, and what we've what we've sort of come to find is um, and this this might tie in, but the actual improvement of your self awareness. Uh. So Kind of when you open up our app and if you've used it for a couple of days what we actually give you is this model that is basically an estimate of what we think is going on in your body mm -hmm. it's it's a human body mm -hmm. with muscles highlighted in different colors and those colors indicate you know we think this is short tight weak etc um the kind of what, what you come to find is that kind of information actually drives kind of motivation it, it it's actually that self-awareness actually triggers the cycle of intrinsic motivation because all of us want to just better understand so we can improve. Mm -hmm. And that is really what we see in user behavior most frequently. Um, 
And and that gets us to a whole different uh, conversation of, okay, like how do you, do you track improvement? Because a lot of these biomechanical um, issues, I shouldn't say issues, these, these, these anomalies take days or weeks to resolve. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, they say it takes about six weeks to lengthen a muscle, right? Um, it, it does, you know, it, it takes a really long time. So we're always looking for ways to kind of provide that positive reinforcement to people to say, mm-hmm. hey, we're understanding this thing. We, we made this estimate. You're, you're doing these exercises and it does seem like it's getting better or it doesn't and we need to update our estimate, <laughs> you know? Oh. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's the hardest part for me is the amount of time uh, that it takes just knowing that 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 when I first you know I, I started uh, w- working on my body in terms of uh, attempting to solve some of the issues that I've had maybe like probably would have been about 21 was my first yoga class uh, and now it's like 13 years later I had I had much bigger issues than most people so uh, so it's taken a long time um, but uh, and then I created some more, uh, which was interesting. But <laughs> you know, that, that's actually a not uncommon story. Uh-huh. Um, there's actually I'll, I'll use the example of one of our professional athletes that, that uses our system. Um, uh, we worked with this really phenomenal pro obstacle course racer named Face Dunning, and she, you know, she we originally got connected because she's had like some tightness and imbalances in her body that she wanted to correct. And she started doing yoga. And what's really interesting is, you know, yoga works for a lot of people. It, it doesn't work for others mm. because these movements, um, these stretches, these long holds, mm. sometimes they'll actually elongate something that's already elongated mm. in your body. Mm. They're, they're actually exacerbating an imbalance. And so I'm, I'm thrilled that yoga has become much more much more popular there's a lot more people that are doing it but there's kind of this element of of um uh, awareness that i really care for people to have which is it's it's still not personalized and if you don't have that self-awareness about your body of like okay is this helping or is this hurting is this something that i need or is this something that i should sit out of you can you know lengthen muscles that'll actually exacerbate something um in your body that you know, increases your injury risk mm. while you're running, mm. which, you know, if that's your primary activity, I, I know a lot of <laughs> runners who do yoga. Um, and it, it's kind of that element that in using our product, uh, and it's been coupled with a, a few life changes, but with not going to yoga anymore and starting to use our product, she's seen a really kind of massive difference in her mobility, in um, her pain when she runs, in her soreness and tightness. And it's it's those types of things that I really love to kind of engage with people because um, it's, it's fantastic to form a better habit. Let's form that habit, that good habit more intelligently. Mm. Uh, yeah. And th- thank you for bringing that up because, uh, and, and I want to give a nuance to that because it's actually, w- there's these... Uh, yoga as we know it today is actually not the yoga that has been traditionally practiced for a long mm-hmm. time uh and the the yoga that, that we know of today that's practiced in studios is underneath an umbrella of asana which means mm-hmm. posture uh but that but it's even been kind of changed from that it's mm-hmm. it's it's the, there is a history of a calisthenic practice in scandinavia that that mm-hmm. was developed around the same time that the camera was invented. Um, and then the camera uh, essentially gave this external view of people. And so people started to 
fit their exercise towards what it looked like, um, mm. which previously hadn't been done unless somebody was painting you, you know, and that wasn't very <laughs> and that wasn't typical in your exercise clothes, yeah? <laughs> exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then so yoga, and then the calisthenics practice was developed in Scandinavia, went to England, and then the, mm-hmm. uh, the British brought it to, to, to India, mm-hmm. uh, and then it mixed with a rediscovery of of uh this is so cool scriptures. you're like an epidemiologist <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and it's because i was doing yoga for a long time and mm-hmm. i was like i was starting to get in a lot of pain and i was like okay well i'll just do more yoga and then I, and then i started to get like dig into this stuff and it turns out that like the yoga poses don't have a history of longer than 150 years and 200 mm-hmm. years uh and so if we if we you know it's really interesting to kind of the length that something's been around usually that means that there's a there's something to it mm-hmm. and so people make this mistake of being like oh i go into the yoga studio mm-hmm. because it's an ancient practice because it's an ancient mm-hmm. practice and they've made this leap of it this, this that it's an ancient practice and therefore it is good because people thousands mm-hmm. of years ago but that's not true mm-hmm. it's been developed in the, in the last 100 years and it's been developed in, under the influence of a technology called the camera, which is like changing <laughs> totally, the, the nature totally. of it. And you just happen to also be like listening to loud rap music while you're doing it. So yeah. maybe that's... <laughs> and you got uh, goats yeah. jumping on you. Yeah, yeah goats yeah. jumping on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of all the variations. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot. So, yeah. um, and then so so the, the main thing I want to say though is that because there, uh, there is a yoga and that yoga actually was tied to a yoga asana that was tied to self-awareness and, mm-hmm. and posture and, and what it means to be in a body. And I and that that one was much more dynamic than one, than the mm-hmm. one in the studio, which has become kind of solidified into the structure. Yeah, yeah. Totally, absolutely. We we even have an employee that you know before he started working with us, he he's he used to be a professional soccer player, a mm-hmm. goalie, mm-hmm. and had really really bad back pain. But he he actually got relief and respite through doing Yin yoga. Mm-hmm. And you know, and, and it's it, it you have a really really good point of. Um, you know, potentially, you know, approach things with a, a little bit of an air of skepticism yeah. as well. Um, but the thing to, I, I think I would encourage people to really um, focus on and, and, and be really aware of, and again, in the theme of trying to improve your self-awareness wow. is ask yourself, is this really working for you? And that's, that's really the thing. I, it, it, you know, whether it's, it's, you know, a particular diet, a particular fitness class, a, you know, mobility, stretching, yoga, is it really working for you? Do you actually see it being a benefit? Um, and for those of us who are not super into quantified self, just, just trying to be aware and trying to be a little bit more present in our bodies can make a huge difference for your health and well-being. Uh, yeah, I would say that that question doesn't re- rely on quantified self. Quanti- quantified self can give us the objective information that can mm-hmm. help us make that better. But I think uh, asking yourself that question, because most people don't just do it, and I'm speaking from personal experience. Like if, I, <laughs> if I had asked myself that question yeah. 10 years ago, yeah. as opposed to just going into a class and, and listening to somebody give me that answer, yeah, yeah. Uh, if I had done that, 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 that would, my life would be very different today. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so it's like the, the, if, and if people were to take that time, I was thinking about this the other day, uh, uh, like how how often do people ask themselves is this a good idea before doing something yeah and it's almost like a yeah. discipline yeah. you know mm-hmm. and that, that's I actually think that it's part of almost like a QS mindset or a mm. self-awareness mindset mm. that can be so difficult to just not practice mm. but to, to kind of revisit that question is this beneficial to me is this something that I should keep doing is is hugely useful in any aspect of your life mm. um, so anyway if that's the only takeaway from this podcast is <laughs> yeah. is, is, is do that um, and you know have I, I, I always encourage people to sort of approach things with a little air of, of uh, hope but skepticism mm. um, because not everything is, you know, made for you. Yeah. Um, and 
and you you really need to be the judge and, and, and figure that out. Some things try to be, some things try to be adaptive, but you know, even even Fathom's not perfect. Um, and we make mistakes and we try to update our estimates and we try to learn, we try to adapt, but um, yeah, it's it's it, it does take some time and it takes real intention and focus. Um, if your intention is to be uh, the right fit for somebody, then you know, you'll, you'll probably get much, much closer. Mm. Um, but you as the individual, as the person practicing, are really the only one that can be a good judge of that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so how can my listeners find out more about Fathom or find out more about you? <laughs> <laughs> Me? I'm not sure. I'm an elusive creature. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, you can visit our website at uh, fathomai.com. Um, that's F-A-T-H-O-M-A-I.com. Um, we're currently uh, kind of an- announcing the launch of our pro system, which is our wearable uh, enabled AI. Um, so you can get $100 off of your initial purchase of the hardware. Um, or you can find our app and start using the free version uh, totally for free on um, Android uh, or the uh, iOS app store just by searching Fathom, uh, probably Fathom Stretch or Fathom AI. <laughs> Very yeah. cool. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, yeah. thanks so much. This is great fun. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you enjoyed this episode with Ivana. Uh, I'll be releasing episodes every Monday through Friday. I'm going to take a break next week. I'll, I'll release an episode on Monday, uh, but then I'll probably take a break until uh, half uh, after Christmas. Epi- I'll release a few episodes during the break between Christmas and New Year's, probably take off New Year's as well. Uh, and then coming around the new year, I'm going to be publishing a lot, and I'm going to be doing a lot of interviews in Spanish. I'm going to be doing a lot of interviews in Portuguese, and I'm going to do some interviews in French, but French is not my best language. Um, And I am going to try to break across the linguistic barrier of the internet. Um, And I'm really excited about doing that. And I was in an Uber uh, with a driver a few days ago. And this driver was studying machine learning and uh, and technology and how to become a developer. And we were talking about Lambda School, which is this new school where you can kind of learn online how to code in a way that gets you a job easily which I think schools don't really do that well. And I said, oh, you should check out Lambda School. And then I realized he, sp- he only spoke Spanish. I didn't speak English, and so he couldn't access that. And so I do think there's a huge need for what I'm about to provide in terms of really interesting, informative, educational, and honest uh, topics about the latest research on a whole bunch of different stuff, uh, including this biomechanics stuff. I would love, I would love to because all this inf- interesting information is coming out about fascia and about biomechanics, and most of it's in English. Um, and so I would like to get that in Spanish in whatever way uh, it's possible. So hope you enjoyed this. Hope you enjoy the rest of all, all that I'm publishing. And, and let me know if you have any comments at Stuart Allsop III on Twitter. My DMs are open, at Stuart Allsop III. Great. Have a great day. <laughs>